All right, we're going to start this off. What's up, everybody? This is our second pre-race interview. This is Dakar Rally Daily with uh, Jesse Ziegler. And Quinn Cody. That's Quinn Cody over there. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see us now, which is too bad for you. And, this is uh, scary, isn't it? <laughs> it's, not, it's not our best side. We're, we're made for audio. Uh, we have another awesome interview, pre-race interview. We're not getting too far into the details of the race yet, but we're getting into the people of the race. And uh, one of our favorite racers we've followed since, you know, he was paying his own way, basically selling stuff on the street to get to the race. We have the stash, the man with the stash, Skyler Howes. What's up, Skyler? How are you? It's me. It's me. I'm only known for my mustache these days. Yeah, I'm really glad you did that so we could remember who you were. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, guys? Good to see you. We're, we're doing all right. I think Quinn, how are you? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. I mean, we got a pretty hectic schedule around here. It's the 21st of December and we have like kids Christmas to get ready for. Yeah. What do you have to get ready for Skylar? Uh, there's a big race coming up right around the corner. So day after Christmas, I got to fly out. So luckily most of my stuff was already with the team. So they uh, shoved all that in our campers and I only got to come with one bag with all my nutrition. Wow, so that's a, not too much. I got to fly with these these days, which that's is a, nice. That's a change. A lot of people are used to packing, you know, a couple hundred gear bags full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be able to put your stuff in ahead of time. I think Europeans have a little advantage there. Then they they load up the motorhomes and all their goodies. Nice. Yeah, especially Honda. They're based out of Barcelona, which is where the the uh, boat left from this time. So they got like a couple extra days to load all of our crap and everything. So it was nice. I don't have to fly with hardly anything. Awesome. Well, let's get into it, man. Last year, you know, your Dakar rally was a success. I think everybody would say that you're leading the stages. I mean, you're leading the overall rally for multiple days. You have, you know, definitely in contention for the win. Um and, you know, just a couple strategic things that happened at Dakar Rally happened and you had to settle, I guess you could say, for third place, which isn't much of a settle in <laughs> the Dakar Rally. So go over that race with us and, uh, you know, kind of what you remember of it since it's been a year. Yeah, the looking back now on like what I could have changed to do different. The funny thing to always talk about is the no footer. Everyone always thought that that was like a deciding factor. <laughs> yes. The most controversial <laughs> yeah. no footer in all of motorsports. <laughs> yeah. But it technically, you know, so that actual, that specific day, it was actually a, a deciding factor for my result, like mm-hmm. my end result, because that day was such a short stage. It was only like 114 kilometers or something. And, uh, the next day was going to be a dunes day down there in the empty quarter. So we were trying to go slower on purpose. So we didn't have to open up the longer day in the dunes because you notoriously would lose more time. So the problem was instead of just going off of my own instinct, I was trying to judge by the riders around me, what my speed was. Well, Toby was trying to do the exact same thing as me. So he was judging off of me. Basically when I caught him, he knew that, you know, okay, we had gone slow enough and we could race into the finish or whatever. Well, I was judging if I caught him, then I was going too fast. So we were essentially (laughs) playing this little like cat and mouse game going slower and slower and slower on purpose. And Tasha was behind me. So I'm like, okay, if Tasha catches me, then, you know, I've gone too slow. Let's pick it up. Mm -hmm. Well, he had like a, a transmission 
issue. So he was like stuck in third gear. So he never caught me. So I'm like, we did a good job. Well, I only wanted to lose like maybe two minutes that day. And I ended up losing, I went like eight minutes too slow. Mm. So that alone, if I just went off my instinct and just rode on my own pace, exactly how I should have done it. Yeah. That alone would have, you know, I would have avoided, you know, losing that much time. And then the following day still started in a good position and not had to open the stage and would have been fine. And then it would have put me in a much bigger buffer by the end of the race, which was narrow anyway. Like we're talking seconds at this point in the stage, separating the top three guys. Yeah. So if I would have just done the no footer, and just crash and been like, all right, I've lost enough time alone just from this no footer crash and road. Normally I probably would have done a perfect job. That's interesting. We talk about this a lot. Quinn talks about this a lot, how you you get into your own race, stay there. Don't get into other people's races. And, but it's hard when you're alone out there seeing people. Right. And you know, you never know when you're supposed to be going fast or when you're, you know, supposed to be slowing down. That's, that's the hardest part. and of judging that, you know, and that's, that's a great explanation of, of how it happens in real life. Yeah. Yeah. How it happens. Exactly. I love that you guys were, um, racing backwards to each other. Like (laughs) you were in a, you were in a slow race, but you did both didn't know it. You're both like, wow, he's going fast. I got to slow down. And you're like, wow, I'm going fast. I caught him. I got to slow down. (laughs) Both of us are, both of us are going backwards slowly. And you get like, wait a minute. We were both slowing down backwards <laughs> or he's having a problem or yeah he's stuck in third gear like you don't know yeah you don't know you don't know anything yeah. out there but hey end result you know third place overall well awesome. i kind of fumbled it too like at the at the last two days the last actual real stage that we had was still in the empty quarter and i i don't know it was like a 12 second difference between us or whatever and I had two crashes, like I was pushing my brains out and I came into the bottom of the one dune and stuck and went over the bars. Right. And then there was another one. I'm surprised actually it didn't end up on TV, but I like jumped a dune and at the top of the dune, instead of like coming down and downsiding, I actually jumped onto the like ridge line, like the crest of the other dune and lost the front wheel and then like did a penguin slide <laughs> all the way down the dune, had to like trudge back up to get my bike and whatever. So I was like, I kind of fumbled it and lost the really good buffer of time mm-hmm. on that day. And so heading into the last day, I was like a minute and a half behind Yeah, and to gain a minute and a half on an all out sprint, which is waypoint to waypoint, you know, there's no real navigation to go all the riders in front of us had already gone. So like, it's literally just an all out sprint. So I'm like, okay, gain a minute and a half on a sprint race against yeah, right. Kevin and Toby slim chances. Yeah. And then right towards the beginning of the the stage, I hit a rock in the mud and like rode the front wheel for a while. I'm like, all right, you know what? A third place is better than a, a hospital ride. So, um, mm-hmm. we'll just run her in and hope for a gift and you know, we got yeah. third. So it's all good. Yeah. Very yeah. good. I'd say. Yeah. You know, uh, we didn't really get to talk to you after the rally, but the, you know, from the outside, you were talking about not wanting to lead into the dune stage from the outside. It looked like the opening bonuses worked out pretty well, mm-hmm. made the race a little bit tighter, uh, less penalty for leading. What, uh, I, I know it has a different effect in the different stages, but what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that now? And, and have you heard, are they adjusting them at all? Or is it, is it all about the same? 
No, so it's going to be all new. Um, that was definitely a, a big part of my strategy last year. Like, obviously, I was just doing the best I could, but you can see, like, Tasha, how he's done so well this year in the world rounds, and he, he's just positioned himself in that opening bonus all the time. Granted, he has to open the stage, but he's been winning races because he's he's collected so much on that bonus. And they've realized now that that kind of – was a little bit too much of an advantage. Um, last year I had, I think close to like 12 minutes of opening bonus time and, and Kevin won the race. And I think he had like a minute maybe. Yep. So he positioned himself perfectly to like strike. And I positioned myself just in that zone all the time. So there was definitely two strategies to it. I did technically more work for myself because I was at the, in the opening group all the time And he, but I don't know, it's just like, he played a a really smart game where he didn't lose very much time and he didn't end up in that, what do you call like the yo-yo effect? Yeah. No man's land. Even though like the strategy can be heavily played on that opening bonus, he played it with Mm -hmm. no bonus almost and and still won the race. Which is something that you guys don't know how it's going to work out until you're almost at the end of the race because you're still figuring out day to day. There's still so many unknown variables that you can't say, Hey, this is my strategy till, you know, day 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, go, 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 go. Hey, it's working out. Look at all my time bonus. I have, I hope this works out in the end. And you know, both Mm -hmm. of you were on it, but it's two different strategies that worked out in two different ways. Yeah. And I think you don't really know it's different on different stages, right? So you're going to, you know, maybe it's yeah. more of an advantage in a, in a big dune stage, but on a, on a road stage or something, it's, yeah, you're, you're yeah. just not getting that much time. You're getting, no, you're getting huge actually opposite. Yeah. yeah you're you getting actually, a big advantage on a road gain, stage. Yeah. You gain a massive advantage because nobody can go fast enough to essentially to close the gap. So you're just going to collect that bonus the whole time. You're going to stay so in front. I, yep. And that's what they found out at these faster races like Sonora this year, which was kind of a shame that their original course got, you know, canned, mm-hmm. they ended up racing on fast roads the whole time. So if you ended up in that opening bonus, nobody else was going to catch you on this fast road. So you just essentially collected a major bonus, which puts you back into first and you just stayed there the whole race. Same thing happened in Argentina, mm-hmm. the fast roads. And you just, if you ended up in that bonus zone, you stayed there. And so now they've realized that there is a little bit of an imbalance of, of, you know, okay, is this fair? Is it, you know, whatever, is it too much an advantage? So what they're going to do now is the opener gets one second and that's it. And then if all three top three catch up to him, then everyone gets a half a second, but there's not going to be this. Oh, if you're in first, you get a second and a half. If you're in second and like the switch, you know, switching or whatever, what I think is kind of smart about doing that is, it's going to stop because right now, if all three of us catch up to each other, to each other, it's like a full sprint, like motocross race to try and open up the next waypoint. Right. So right. We can get the the bigger bonus. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't matter because all three of you are just getting a half a second. I see. So, so it incentivized racing still to yeah, get to the front bonus until like, you know, uh, roughly about the time that the bonus is going to go away. Mm-hmm. And then everyone will just get half a second. So I think it's huh. actually a smarter idea. It's going to not yeah. make it so much of a huge advantage. Yeah. Sounds a little safer, a little more confusing in the end. <laughs> I think we just figured out the other one and now we're like, yeah, okay, we just had that math else. figured out, but yeah. Yeah. 
So cool. Finished on the podium, Dakar. Amazing, amazing job. And mm -hmm. then you guys were pretty much straight away into what you had Abu Dhabi and then Sonora. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, and it's going to be the same again this year that they're cramming like all of the events in the first half of the year. And then it goes on this massive break to, to Morocco. So it was the same thing. I get, you get like a three week break straight back to Abu Dhabi, which was also wild because I was 70 seconds away from the podium and I finished sixth place, wow. which is messed up. Yeah, that's Like when has rally tight. ever been that tight ever? Yeah. So, and then we went into Sonora and I just, you know, got it wrong. I came in way too fast into a, into a big compression and it like yeah. kicked me up and I ended up going straight when the course turned right and had a huge crash and broke my scapula. So that put me down for like a while. Like my scapula, that was actually a, a really like time intensive injury. So that put me out until right about the time that Argentina was going to happen. And then about that time I was going through all my contract, you know, business with Husqvarna mm -hmm. and uh, my exit with them. And so it wasn't, you know, my, to race Argentina really wasn't very possible. And then after that, I was able to sign my contract with Honda. So that put me into Morocco, which went directly into a, another crash and injury, which is a bummer. So <laughs> Yeah. Year started out way high, yeah, and we this massive upswing, and then it just went down, 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 really fast. <laughs> oh, geez! But you're uh, recovered now, heading into Dakar. You're healthy, recovered, fit. Yeah, definitely not in the same place that I was last year. Last mm. year, I was coming off of like a bunch of major wins and a huge like testing and mm. training schedule that was just going so well. So I was really fit motivated, confident. Um, <clears throat> this year has been mostly recovering. So I've spent most of my time just like, you know, with the physio or in the sauna and the ice bath and like just trying to recover. So my training has been definitely not up to last year's par, but I am feeling good. And my mentality is actually feeling pretty good as well. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing all right going into this year. Well, that's probably the hardest part, especially when you're coming in on a new bike, new team, new surroundings yeah. after what happened to you at the end of last year. It's not cut yeah, and dry. We need, to, we need to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, because I, I know there was a lot of, uh, a lot of people wondering, you know, what, what happened. I mean, I was getting people asking me all the time, like, where, what happened with Skyler? He's, yeah. you know, he's off the team and, <laughs> and, uh, it, it didn't appear that you had, something else lined up. It wasn't like, you're like, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to Honda. Right. There was a, there was a little bit of a dead air there for a while that we weren't sure what was yeah. going on. Can yeah. You and dude, to like, contrary to the popular uh, rumor, I didn't, I didn't have like a fallback to, to be quite frank. And I don't think it's bad to say, but you know, I wasn't really happy with what, and it's so weird. I just to interrupt myself. It's so weird <laughs> to even hear these words come out of my mouth. Considering the position I was in just a couple of years ago, I would have killed for any type of factory contract. And then to, to say that I wasn't happy with the terms of my contract is so strange because I would have taken anything mm -hmm. at that point. But, you know, I, I took what I took be, with the understanding that if I did what I was supposed to do, produce results, being good ambassador for, you know, for the brand, yada, 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 that I essentially would, 
you know, come into the contract that I was hoping for in the beginning and to not go into so much details. I got, uh, you know, not, I, I hate even saying this, but a little bit taken advantage of in the beginning because I hadn't really proven myself. So even though I had finished already in the top five, I still wasn't on the pay scale that I technically should have been under their own terms. And then when I finished on the podium, they were going to just continue to do that to me. And every single term on the contract that I wasn't really happy about, like, I want to be able to drive four wheels. And like, I've had some cool opportunities to race a car in Baja and like some other opportunities just weird, you know, little contract terms like that, that they just wouldn't budge on. Mm -hmm. So there's things like this that I was battling on. And then the money, like I finished on the podium, I should be paid on, you know, to your own terms, I should be paying this amount and they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, look, if you're not going to do this now to where I just came off of like my most successful season ever in my career, it's not going to happen. And I don't want to play this game now where I'm coming into like my thirties. Now I need to be able to provide, you know, potentially have a family here soon. Like I'm still renting a room at a friend's house. I've sacrificed a ton to get to this point. I need to be able to focus on my career and my craft. I don't want to continue to sacrifice. Mm. And I feel like I've done what I need to do to show you that I'm dedicated to this and I'm willing and I can get the results. And, you know, it just wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't budging. And I said, all right, look, I've accomplished something I'm super proud of in my life. And if that's the end of it, then I can look back and, and know that I put everything into it and I can be happy with my career. Do I know I can still accomplish more? Yes. Do I want to still accomplish more? Yes. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to bend over for the rest of my career and, and do that. Mm -hmm. So if we can't come to terms, let's just end on good terms, shake hands, move different directions, you know, and that's it. And that's ended up what, what was happening. So finally I cut, I stopped my contract with Husky and I was like, all right, you know, now what? And rebellion, the watch company that sponsors me. And I was like, Hey, maybe can I get a seat in your car for Dakar? Or mm. you doing a Baja program Glickenhaus, They built their Baja boot, which is synonymous with my family. So I'm like, how oh, maybe I could get a seat in that car for Baja. And that's kind of what my route was going and doing like some side-by-side -side racing or whatever. And then, uh, and then we got hooked up with, with Ruben and Honda mm. and they said they would add a seat to me. They already had a full team, but they said they would add a seat for me to get me on the team, which I was like blown away, you know? Yeah. You had no strong. idea when you were saying, Hey, maybe this is the end of my motorcycle racing career for a rally and I'm okay with that. I'll find something else to do. You had no idea that the Honda opportunity was even there. No, I was, I was, I was preparing myself for the end of my motorcycle career. Mm. And I, was I happy about it? Absolutely not. I was definitely not. I, I don't, I didn't want it to be, but I was yeah. preparing myself because I was, I wanted to do what was right for me. Yeah. I wanted to stand up for myself and, and stay true to my own terms. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, like I said, I got super lucky that the Honda opportunity was there and I, yeah. and I, I, I snagged it with like, you know, seconds to spare, but, you know, I, I, I just got really lucky with that. And without getting into too much details on your Honda deal. Now I'm curious about all the deals. 
Now I want all the <laughs> dirt on the deals. Like, are you in a similar position where you think that you're leaving a little bit on the table and your contract negotiation with Honda, like you had to get something or are you like, no, I'm good. No, I, I definitely, so that, that's like the interesting thing too, with my new contract is there's things in there that protect me. Mm. You know, there's things there that are in my favor, which is really nice. And all the terms that I was, you know, uh, that I, that I wanted to make sure like racing four wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Any of that kind of business. They were like, yeah, as, as long as you do your job mm. and you show up to the trainings, you show up to the testings, you race and you're doing what you're supposed to do. Sure. Go for it. And you know, the, 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 the paycheck is what I think is fair for a, for a podium, you know, contender and everything is there. Good. So I'm, I'm really happy with this, with this deal. Awesome. That's only half of the equation though. The other half is the equipment that you're writing. And that's, that's a big deal to jump on something totally new that you've never ridden before, unless you were sneaking out, you know, rides somehow on that bike. And it's a new bike for Honda. So you got thrown into a, a development cycle on a new bike, new team, uh, you know, just so many changes going on. Can you talk about uh, bike feel or how you're feeling on the bike? Or even if you rode the old bike compared to the new bike, like, have you had a chance to ride both of them or have you just been on the new one the whole time? Yeah. It's funny because I signed my Husqvarna deal right when they developed a brand new bike. So my first experience on that team was to develop a new bike. And then I signed my Honda deal directly when they develop a new bike. So <laughs> Skyler house rally bike develop uh master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, the, uh, the old bike was in, yeah, they've been using that for the last like 10 years. Yeah, I think so Ricky like, was telling us maybe they do some suspension tuning every now and then, but we basically just run what works. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I that, I helped a little bit back in 2013 when their that bike was first being developed. And, yeah, uh, it seen, hasn't it hasn't changed a lot, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean was, we saw the Franken was, bike that was all carbon fiber and yeah. black. I mean, Johnny's even brought that out a few times, and now it's it's looking sleeker. The bike looks a little more modern and stuff, but I, I yeah. can't really tell you. I haven't seen it up close. I mean, to me, I, the, uh, it, I know they're not. You're not going to want to get into too many details. Yeah, but, uh, I, uh, I kind of from 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 what I can see is is it looks like it's a it's a restyling it's a, almost a facelift like the the fuel tanks are different the the mask is a little bit different i, I haven't been up close to it so i don't know but i got you i kind of think the chassis is very very similar to the old one and small and differences I, I assume maybe the engine is still the same but i'm uh, just gonna stare at skylar until he gives us <laughs> give us a little uh no, i'll explain it so the only old bike that i got to ride was i think Ricky's like 2020 Dakar bike. Plus he did like Andalusia and like two Sonora rallies on it. And then it became the USA, like loaner bike. If any of the team came over and they wanted to do road books or go ride, they rode this bike. So it has plenty of time on it. <laughs> it's so a worn, it's a broken inch. I can't really compare it too well because this thing has been put through the ringer time yeah. and time again, but it was pretty good. And then the, the new bike is what I can say is it is surprisingly good for how early it is for how early into development that it is Mm -hmm. for them to just release a brand new bike. And for me to ride it for like two hours and be like, yeah, I'll race this. Oh, 
highly impressive. It's super, super cool. So yeah, quiet. I mean, yeah, all the tanks are different. The, the, the screen's different. The whole bike is got like a major facelift and, and revamp and stuff. But, uh, as far as like how I feel on it, it's powerful. It's super, super powerful and it's really comfy. And it's one of the things that I like most about, you know, my time as a privateer and like coming up in Heron hounds, I've rode Yamahas and Hondas and, and everything with like KYB and show a suspension. And now with factory show a suspension, it's really nice because it can be really comfortable and still take the, the really hard hits and stuff. So it was actually, a, that was a hard, hard transition for me is to be comfortable on a bike that feels so soft and then just, it takes the hits so good. Yeah. So we've talked yeah, about this a little bit with Ricky on that bike and he's like, man, we're out there on these comfortable Cadillacs. And he goes, those KTM guys are out there on supercross bikes, bouncing off everything. And, you know, Rick, in Ricky's, yeah, yeah. in Ricky's attitude, he's like, those guys are crazy. They're yeah. just bouncing off stuff. But, so. you know, I think even, even set up from rider to rider, I imagine they probably yeah. plugged in something very similar to what Ricky's running for you. Yeah. Straight off. But the I bat. know like when Beretta was there and some of the other guys, they were like, they were running supercross suspension yeah. on the, on the Honda. And yeah. Me and me and Rick actually, we come from more or less the same desert. We, you know, mm. we grew up racing hair and hounds in the Mojave and, uh, we're about the same size yep. and, you know, same height, yada, yada, all that stuff. And so actually when we test, we have been testing the exact same setup and we kind of refine it almost as if we're going to like team race this bike. Wow, cool. So we, we get like almost like a happy medium between what he likes and what I like. And then we go from there. And if we want to change, you know, clicker adjustments on rider preference, then that's fine. Like I know now our difference is he likes a little bit more of a stiff front end. And I like a little bit more of a soft front end and a stiffer rear. So we have like very small differences that Mm. we can just adjust with, with clickers, but me and Rick almost have the exact same setting. That's a good segue into the team dynamics that I think Honda has in like spades this year. I mean, six, six factory riders, Big uh, big team, biggest team in rally that they've had for a while. (laughs) <laughs> anybody's had for a while. Yep. Um, I'm curious how it's going to play out. I'm sure you are as well, since you're new to the team, but do you have any sense of our like water boys back in deck are people out there strictly for support uh, for the top contenders, or is it still like everybody's racing to win and we make plans as we go? Like, I'm just so curious to see how this year is going to work out for Honda. Cause they have so much on the table. Yeah. The water boy days are over. That's right. Those days don't exist. They can't really exist anymore because you can't swap wheels. You can't really do anything. The only thing a water boy could do now is help you fix your own bike, but they can't really like take parts off and give it to another. So yeah, those days are kind of behind us, which means having a big team like this is just putting more of like a, you know, a ratio of there's more riders on a Honda. And so you know, it's a higher percentage, a higher chance of, of ending up on on the, on the podium. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the game plan behind it is, you know, everyone that's a a part of the team on any team has kind of proven themselves of being a contender. Yeah. And so, yeah, now just having a little bit higher of a ratio to kind of continue to, you know, yeah, we're on the same team, but we're still competitors. So essentially there's no team order. Yeah. It's just whoever is winning at the time, maybe, you know, towards the end of the race, if someone is about to win and the other person is, 
kind of out of the running or whatever, they can assist by whatever. Yeah. Not taking time from them. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But as far as like, yeah, no, we want this guy to win and everyone else is going to support him. That's yeah. Those days are gone. Yeah. Well, that's refreshing. So it's going to yeah. be a wild race out there. Red bikes everywhere. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting to see, you know, that's it. It's such a strong team and yeah. I feel like they've, they've taken up a little bit of the, a little bit of the slack from, from Yamaha kind of yeah. disappearing and, you know, KTM's a little bit wounded right now mm-hmm. as far as the KTM group. Um, so they're going to be a little smaller this year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. How's the, uh, how's the dynamic in the team? Have you hung out with everybody on the team? Like for photo shoots and stuff like that, you're getting along with everybody or is there just anybody you just hate? Who do you no, actually, this has been a nice, this has been a really nice, uh, <laughs> change. I'm not going to go into <laughs> details. I'm sure you already know where I'm going with this, but like, well, here's the only weird thing is me and Ricky specifically, we're both the Americans. So we always get kind of paired up yep. It's the same way like Sanders and Toby get paired up, even though they, if they want to or not, people don't think about how bad of an idea this is because you like, you don't want the only two Americans together or worse, the only two Australians together. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to do? Start a fire, <laughs> like break things on purpose. Like we're not responsible. We should be around other people from other societies to calm us down. Integrated. Yeah. yeah integrated. Well, diversity. I don't know about that. You get the diversity assimilated the team. We need to be assimilated. Yeah. You get the Austrian and, and, and Sanders next to each other. Oh yeah. Austrian. They're rated hell. Maybe it's just all people that are into rally bikes are somewhat (laughs) deranged and dangerous. Anybody that's willing to hold it wide open across the desert on a, you know, basically a bomb. Yeah. Full of fuel. Yeah. You guys are morons. I don't know what you're doing, but yeah, give me the dirt. Give me the dirt. You have to be a certain kind of stupid to go (laughs) fast on a dirt bike. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, but it's, it's funny because me and Ricky have been direct, like heavy, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for competitors, but, um, what's the other word I'm looking competition rivals, rivals, rivals. That's what I'm like. We've been heavy rivals. That's an interesting dynamic because there's, there's not a lot of seats in rally, right? You're, you're, especially for an American, it's not like you. So you guys are, are fighting, not just like for the win or whatever yeah, you're fighting for a point. seat on the team. Yeah. And that's, the coming uh, years. Yeah. Ooh, I like Quinn's so, bringing up more drama, more dirt. God, this guy's yeah, good. I mean, I, I, I've seen it, you know, you, you yeah. know, that guys are like, uh, yeah, fuck, you know, yeah. you hear that, you hear the stuff, <laughs> the grumblings, but you guys have been, you know, compared to each other, I would say if it's even a fair, um, assessment. Well, and now well, you're I mean, I, even before we started rally, you know, going at best in the desert races at, at Vegas arena, we've had yeah, right. battles before we've battled at Sonora rally, you know, once I started into it and all that. And there's been like, you know, now being a part of the team, I hear their side of the story, like at Vegas Torino, when Johnny and Preston were chasing and like jumping the box fan to get to places on time, because it was like such a heated battle between us. That has been probably a little bit more of the weirder dynamic uh, <laughs> between us. Like, me and Ricky actually get along pretty well when we're, when we're testing, like we have a really similar mindset, like when it comes down to work, making positive changes and, you know, trying to reach a positively and not like talk bad about yeah, things. Yeah. It's been a really nice connection there. But the other side of it, like we have been such heated rivals for a while. Like 
with Johnny now, I've always been the competition to Johnny. Yeah. And so now I'm a part of the team and I can see a little bit there where he's like, he's really professional and he's really kind. And he's been, he's been very open to like, you know, helping me out and stuff, but I can see, still see a little bit of that. Like I need to earn their trust because I have been, I've been the, the rival for years, for a lot of years now. So that's kind of the only thing that's been a little bit, you know, kind of trying to, break down the walls a little bit there. Yeah. But the yeah, rest I, of the team, all the other guys, I know them quite well. And it's been nice there. And the, you know, the team managers, the mechanics and everything sure. all Spanish. So it's hard to understand Spanish all the time. <laughs> I need to work up on my, my Spanish speaking, but uh, you know, there it's been a really good dynamic on the team. Yeah. Sounds like, you it. know, Johnny's Johnny's a competitor too. I mean, he's, oh, man. he's a Honda guy from, from day one. And, and literally, like, if you're not on a Honda, you're basically the enemy yeah. to Johnny Campbell. <laughs> Everything else and will be. We actually have uh, Johnny Campbell coming into the studio tomorrow for a yeah. little interview. So we're gonna we're gonna ask we're gonna him, tease about him you. a little bit on this one. Because, we're gonna see uh, if he likes you or not. Yeah, I I rode for Johnny for a long time, you know, and I've been inside the inside the program, and then I've left and I've come back, and <laughs> you probably felt like Skyler I mean, coming back in, like, "Hey guys," and they're my, like, "Yeah, we don't totally trust you." yet but my kids yeah, go like, and spend the night at uh at aunt Faye and uncle johnny's house so we're still <laughs> we're still really tight but uh definitely he he's is a red red guy for sure like he wants to win yeah with red bikes all the time which is awesome it's good to be probably for you to be in that environment especially with him as an american mentor and having you know just his legacy is just undeniable and the positive the positivity that johnny campbell brings to a program is unmatched probably there's one thing that he does that I've noticed that uh, it's, it's something that I've never really done because, okay, as, as a privateer and coming up to this, I've always done all my own logistics, all my own, like a uh, uh, bike work and all of that. And so I kind of know how things are s- supposed to be done as far as my program goes. And one thing I've noticed that he does, regardless of who you are or what's happening, he explains everything in detail, regardless if you know what you're already doing or not. Mm. Like it, even if you're like, yep, yeah, I got it. He will continue to explain how to do it, 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 like how he wants it done, just so there's nothing that can fall through the cracks. And it's one thing that I've kind of enjoyed, you know, seeing it, that part, that side of things is like, look, whether or not you think you know what you should be doing or whether or not you actually do, I'm going to explain it. And, I'll, you know, so there's just nothing's going to fall through the cracks here and it's going to get done properly the first time. And it's been, a, it's a nice lesson that I've learned from him just in the short yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny comes from that, that old school Bruce Ogilvy way of doing things, you know, where they, they ran the Honda program in Baja for so many years and, and that was like a military operation. Right. I mean, we, yeah. we called Bruce like. the, the general cause he was, you know, and that's how Johnny was brought up and, and learned because you know, sometimes for a Baja 1000, we'd have 130 people down there. Wow. And you think about, you know, managing sure that every single person is where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And, you know, so it's pretty awesome. It's ingrained in his uh, DNA at this point. That's awesome. That's a great insight, Skylar. Thanks for sharing that. That's Mm -hmm. cool. And good leadership tactic for Johnny Campbell to make sure everybody's on task. There's no ambiguity. You know, it's expected of you or even when you need to wake up. Like, this is it. You need to be here at this time. And this is what we're all doing together. We're on the same team. It's good for racers too. 
yeah most of the time they you don't have know a lot where, of stuff going on and yeah they just <laughs> show up when they get there they're just like where's the throttle in the monster energy drink <laughs> gotta chug it and go yeah awesome man right. well what about the race this year we're, we're talking about the new thing on the race docket is that 48 hour chrono stage over two days you're going to be booted out into the desert and then when the cannon fires off after so much time you got to stop and camp next to your bike like a nomad what do you think about this thing is it going to shake it up or is it just going to be you know a normal stage i don't think it'll shake it up too much uh the only thing that i think would shake it up is if you were allowed to stop at a at a any bivouac you wanted to and your time stopped oh, so like Cause now it's like the time just continues to run and you just have, you know, you, you have to stop at four and you can start again at seven, ah, but I see. if you stopped at two, the time continues to run until four. So you essentially get a, like a two hour time penalty almost. I think it would shake things up if there was more of a strategy to that. Like, okay, there's eight bivouacs. I'm going to race to like this fifth bivouac and I'm going to, or like the third bivouac and I'm going to sit there and wait for everyone to go by. And then I'm going to continue racing. So then I have tracks to follow and yada, yada, yada. If that, if it got like really detailed like that, maybe it shakes it up. But right now, nobody wants a time penalty. Nobody wants to stop before they want to. So everyone's just going to ride all the way until four. <clears throat> it's likely that most of us end up at the same bivouac. So mm. then we're just going to start the next day as we come in. So I, I assume it's going to be kind of similar to like a normal yeah. uh, marathon stage just with less um nice like we're just gonna have to sleep in a random tent and we don't yeah. have good food yeah i'm still i'm still having a hard time understanding how they're gonna do this when control it well no just okay so you stop the clock at four o'clock yeah. then you are you like marking your spot where you stopped no it's like the you GPS go you or? get to go to the next bivouac but the clock's not running anymore no it's all stopped it's just like so then you're riding then it's whatever, just logistics it's like sleeping and and they restart you but yeah it, <laughs> see now that's what i don't understand i don't like i don't get it if they stop the clock at four and you're in between bivouacs yeah. do you get a penalty by being out past four it didn't seem that game, way you have less mileage to ride the next day. You're still riding the same amount, but you're not, are you still timed? What's yeah. And are they going to make you ride back to where you, where you were at four o'clock? It's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I thought, I thought you would just cruise to the next available bivouac. Cause I assume they're going to be in fairly close proximity of each other, but I don't know. And then you would start your race at the time you were supposed to start from that point. So it would be, beneficial for you to race as fast as you can to four o'clock so you get in the furthest bivouac on course that would make sense but then you have less mileage the next day so that's a massive advantage yeah the next right day. Mm -hmm. that you just got to cover all that ground not being timed i don't yeah i don't see that don't flying know. yeah it doesn't make that doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense either i that's why i'm not we need to get somebody from the asl up. on the phone and and explain this is if you want to start detail, talking to people that actually know what they're doing you're gonna to have to get on a different podcast show yeah sorry because this is all about assumptions and stirring up drama that's our brand but i think the perfect strategy is to race as fast as you can and collect <laughs> the opening bonus because the the opening bonus goes the whole time so I think mm. the best strategy is to race as fast as you can until 3.59 and stop at a bivouac at 3.59 exactly. Yes, if you could time that perfectly, that would be the best <laughs> scenario. Yes. Yeah. Or you, 7 you, the next pass, day, right to the or you pass a bivouac at 
you know, and you get three fifty nine, and then you get free, free miles. miles. Maybe the next bivouac's not for ten kilometers, and you get another ten k into yes. the stage. That you don't have to race. On the I clock. honestly think that's the way it's going to work out. That'd so it's nice. just luck of the draw, basically. I think you got to set yourself up up to that stage so you have a favorable start position to get as far as you can. You're going to want to lead that stage. See, Maybe. now, if all of no what we're idea. talking about now is in the works. This is what I love, assumptions. will shake some things up. That'll make some See? drama and some stuff that's exciting. That's yeah, then we're going to have a great show that day. Maybe that's what they're going <laughs> <Yeah>. for. <laughs> They've probably been listening to our show. They're like, these guys are getting boring. Let's give them something yeah, to talk yeah. about. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it when they shake it up. I think the only thing that it really does is it throws a little bit of unknown. So if somebody has a issue on course on the way to this 4 o'clock cutoff time, then you know, shit's going to hit the fan and they're going to be like, okay, now this is actually a problem. <laughs> this day, if it was a regular day, we'd limp in. If you have a fuel issue and you filled up, like we'd limp in and fix it. But today we're effed because we're out in the middle of nowhere. Basically like a marathon stage. It's just, it is a marathon stage. Yeah. It's just a fancy name for it where the clock mm-hmm. just goes for 48 hours. Yeah. 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 I don't know, dude. Like I'm oh, all ahead. for this kind of stuff. I'm all for like the road books in the morning and like one tire a day and like all that stuff that kind of puts us more out of level playing field. Yep. I'm all, I'm on game for that. And as much as I hated it in the beginning, the technology allowing for our speed limiter is not a bad deal. Mm. Sure. It gives us more time to, to take a drink and stuff as we're going across a lake bed or whatever. But the, uh, like throwing in different wrenches like this, like, okay, it's still the same Dakar, but it's just an extra level of challenge now, like a little bit more uncomfortable, right? We're already uncomfortable. We're already getting beat down. And now we're just going to add that little bit more. You have to sleep. You're not going to eat very good food. Like this is a little bit more raw. This is how it was in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of dig that. I like that, you know, kind of beat you down a little bit more when the going gets tough, you know, the real, the real, you know, people start standing out. It's just Separate a dune the race from the boys. Yeah, yeah. Or if like the, 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 the ground's wet and yeah, all the conditions are lined up and stuff, then it just becomes like a sprint race. And then it's normally might as well just go race an enduro. Yeah. But that's not why we race rally. We race rally because it's, you know, the unknown it's, it's gnarly, you know? Yeah. It's good. Well put, well put. Yep. Hopefully like it. it comes out that way, that it is an awesome challenge and not just something to make everybody drastically uncomfortable, which that yeah. can turn into. It could just be like for nothing, doesn't change the time at all. Everybody's in the same position they were 48 hours ago. It was just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like we hope that just doesn't didn't happen. didn't sleep so good. Yeah, just didn't sleep, didn't eat. Now we're racing at the same pace and tired and fatigued. I say this now. Hungry. I say this like I will have <laughs> yeah. that challenge now and then after I get my butt kicked, well, I might have a different understanding. Yeah, you'll be it. like, what was I thinking? And then when it's over, you'll be like, that was fun. I can't wait to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Because back to that point that we're all stupid. So so the other thing, and, and I know you guys are still on paper road books, but are they bringing the digital road books? Are they starting to bring them in for, for other guys? Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So the quads and I think rally three, I think rally two is still on paper as well. Um, but like, well, but the, the quads and rally three are all on digital. Uh, the issue that we're running into that with that is ERTF is the sole provider for all of the navigation equipment. Mm -hmm. And we've given like all of our, uh, two cents about, 
how it needs to be and the quality and yada, yada, yada. And it doesn't really seem like they're changing, making the changes that we really need. I think you mentioned this last year, even when we were talking about it, you said that, Hey, we, we tell them what we need. And then they send us something and we're like, you clearly didn't listen to what we need. No, it's still the same product. (laughs) Yeah. You said this last year. I mean, it's, it's not an easy ask, right? I mean, it seems from the outsider, it seems, seems easy, but yeah, you have to make a ruggedized tablet that you can see in the sun, see in the sun. It's waterproof. Doesn't overheat. Sandproof. Sandproof. All these different elements. Skylar proof. And make it feel natural and intuitive. (laughs) I have smashed my face. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get the challenge, but I mean, Steve Jobs. The problem is, is like they, when when they put in their own like thing, their their own description that says you have to sit down to see it. You're not allowed to wear <laughs> white clothing because it because it's going to reflect and you're not going to be able to see it. Like it has to be at perfectly this angle and you're not allowed to stand up so you can see it. Like okay, come on. Then it's Let's not. Then ready. it's not ready. Yeah, it's not ready. No beta testing. Yeah, like me and YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> or me and mustaches. Yep. It's not going well. Maybe we get Jesse to grow a mustache this year for Dakar. I do look the same as I do now at the end of the race. It'd just be <laughs> itchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, Hey dude, what else is going on at this race? I think that's the biggest wrench they're throwing into the thing is the 48 hour chrono. Yeah. The race is not going to be so, easy. It's big. My and, other question is that, so after you do the, that 48 hour stage, then it looks like there's a big transfer up back yeah. up to the rest day in, in Riyadh. And are they moving you guys? Cause your teams won't be down there, right? Your teams are going to be up in, in Riyadh, right? So this is where it's really funny. Uh, it's <laughs> sometimes they do things that are like counterintuitive. You know what I mean? Like, like they give us a speed limit to slow us down, but then they give us an incentive to go really fast and open the stage <laughs> and stuff. Like there's there's things that they do. So like, I love that. Make you run a bald tire really for the for the day. Yeah. We're gonna slow you, you down know, by only giving you three this, tires. This super yeah the tire rule. This super like difficult race and uh, like this chrono stage that's really gnarly and challenging and stuff. And then instead of just getting on our bike and and liaison back to the next bivouac. They're going to require the team to drive from Riyadh or, you know, wherever they're at at that point, all the way to the finish of this chrono stage. We have to load up all of our vehicles and then all the riders and everyone get on an airplane and we fly to Riyadh and the team has to transport all of our vehicles back. So I, and I don't know if it's the team specifically that has to do that. Maybe the organization has trucks and we load all of our stuff up on there. But yeah, we're not going to liaison and ride back all the way to Riyadh. We get to get on an airplane and fly back over there. Mm. So they're flying the whole rally, all the competitors and all, all the, the motorcycles at least. All the I'm motor- assuming. yeah, it's true. The car guys drive. I, I, I would guess. assume they have. Yeah, there's no way they're going to transport those. Yeah. Huh. So interesting. But this is another fatigue thing that happens at Dakar. Is the teams get fatigued, like the mechanics, the people that drive the motorhomes, the people that. They yeah. give you food. The people that are supporting you, like everybody gets beat down here. And this is not going to be an easy logistic thing probably to handle, or maybe they get a day off and they just go hang out at a hotel spa. Also consider there's 48 hours, right? This is a 48 hour chrono stage. So if I finish this stage in say 27 hours or less, whatever it might be, 
What are you going to do for the next 20 hours? Am I going to sit there at the airport and wait? You're going to wait. Flight? We're going to wait for that. Everyone else to finish? It's that last quad to finish. You're going to be like, <laughs> come on. What hurry up, do? dude. Come on, dude. The plane's leaving. You better get there. <laughs> it's going to turn into an episode of The Amazing Race, and you guys are going to go buy your own tickets and race to the next Maybe. stage, and your start time's going to start. That's what they should do is, yeah, you have yeah. to make your flight. Like instead of the, you the make your marathon flight. day, you have to race to the plane, <laughs> get your flight, get through security. We've just turned this into reality TV and Dakar rally combined. And I think some producers should probably call us yeah. and pay us. Yeah. Well, how well. big of a bummer? You're like, oh yeah, dude, I get two rest days now and you got to yeah. sit on the tarmac and like oh, sleep God. your helmet for a day waiting mm-hmm. for the plane. <laughs> as bad as that chrono stage bivouac might be, I bet it's better than an airport. Yeah, you're probably right. Better food. Better sleeping conditions, better people yeah. to be around. So yeah, you're probably right. Nice. Well, a lot of a lot of unknown out there, a lot of unknown for you specifically, and that we get to watch you do, which I think is awesome for our entertainment. But I do obviously yep. we wish you the best of luck and you know, we're pumped to uh talk to you every year and get some updates from from the course. Yeah. And and one more thing for oh, you Quinn's for you, more. Skyler, is that we got a guy on the ground this year. Yeah, we who's going to be coming and and knocking on the door of your motorhome? It's going to be annoying uh, I, you. I'm trying to annoy you to get to get interviews from you, to get voice clips for us. So easy, dude. You know me, Anthony. I'm he's our you voice clips. Whatever you want. Who's I know you're guy? you're the best at it. Yeah, but we're gonna are. we're gonna send him over there anyway, and you know we'll save you a trip to you the can, WhatsApp. You can app. offer him a yeah Honda refreshments or something. Who yep. is this name's, guy? His name's Anthony, and he's a Australian Canadian. So. It's got a weird accent, but super cool guy. If you could combine two nationalities into one awesome person, Canada yeah. and Australia is not a bad mix. It's like polite, but crazy. <laughs> does, he, does he say a boot and mate? Yeah, he that says a boot, mate. Oh, that'd be some shit right uh, there. No, we'll it see. took me when I first met him. It took me it was like, about, wait. yeah, a, where? two or three days to figure out where he's from. And then I finally <laughs> had to ask him, what? What is this accent? Where are you from? (laughs) I haven't met him yet. I'm already making fun of him and I don't even know him. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to get some more insight from the ground without, you know, calling you directly and annoying you most of the time, but we'll probably still do that too. Fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome, man. Well, uh, unless you got anything you want to shout out, I think we're wrapping up here. Yeah. Thanks to all the people that continue to cheer me on. I'm stoked. I'm stoked yeah. for everyone listening in. I'm stoked for you guys. I thank you for, uh, for doing this. This is cool. There's so many people that actually like, this is like where they get most of their information. So this is really cool that you guys take the time to do this and thank you for that. And thanks yeah, yeah. To obviously monster energy and Honda for, uh, giving me this opportunity to continue my racing career. So yeah, all good. Great news, man. Go awesome. America. Yeah. Good luck, Skylar. We're rooting for you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. USA. USA. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Bye. Yep. I don't know which button to hit first. Yeah, dude. How do I? Which one do I hit? Which one do I do? I got so many buttons. I'll just hit this one first.